This episode is sponsored by Evolve Bootcamp, my outdoor functional fitness program that delivers a sense of warmth, friendliness, and spirit, along with butt-kicking, hellishly fun-filled workouts that embody a caring attitude evoking the idea everybody that exercises outside has no boundaries and naturally evolves. Class begins at 6 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Mention this podcast and come by for a trial class at the Boston Common, if you dare. Welcome to the Evolve WMMA podcast featuring the greatest upcoming female fighters on the planet. They are women who have gone against conventional thinking to pursue their dreams. These fighters inspire, empower, and unleash excellence within a new generation of female athletes as they rise and evolve into the best possible version of themselves through the power of mixed martial arts. Hey, 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 this is Evolve WMMA, and I'm your host, Shelly Devon. So I'm really excited to share with you all. This was a seemed like a last minute thing. I know for me, it was a last minute thing to find out about. Well, Invicta FC 54 is coming here to Boston, my hometown. So some of you folks may have been following mixed martial arts or MMA since it began with the Gracies some 20 years ago. I know we have a huge following here in the Boston area and in New England. And you've watched its evolution from being perceived as cockfighting, to a blood sport, to becoming an actual recognized global sport. And some of you may even remember, you know, when Dana White came onto this scene and started the Ultimate Fighter show. And years later, he swore that women would never enter the cage. Well, I think when he stated that, it was some 11 years ago. And since then, Invicta FC began thanks to the progressive vision of Shannon Knapp. And today we see more women making a career in sports and we're here to stay. So having Invicta come to Boston is yet another milestone in the journey of mixed martial arts. I mean, geez, it took 11 years for them to actually have a live show in Boston on October 27th at the House of Blues. It's it's the first time here in Boston, and I'm thrilled and excited to see this happen and hope it will inspire more young girls and boys too. But I'm for the girls, I'm rooting for the girls and female athletes, and I'm so honored to have the opportunity to speak with some of these fighters and uh, this show, as well as several ones that I'm going to be pushing out this week for your enjoyment to listen to and catch up with some of the, the new fighters that have come onto the scene. Um, I would say it's like the next generation. So my next guest will have her first title defense as Invicta FC strawweight champion, colliding against Polish challenger Karolina Wojcik. Both fighters were in action last March at Invicta 52, with McCormick making history as the promotion's first Irish champion by dethroning Brazilian Valeska Machado after five hard-fought rounds. Wojcik, on the other hand, edged out Brazilian Adiana Silva in the co-main event and became number one title contender. 
So both females, both fighters, will be making New England MMA history in the first all-female card as they face off in the main event. How exciting is that? Here in Boston at the House of Blues on October 27th at Invicta 54. So big shout out to Shannon Knapp and the staff at Invicta for making this happen. We're super excited to have you here in Boston. I'd like to welcome to the show Invicta FC Strawway Champion, Danny McCormick. All right, hey, welcome to the show, Danny. I'm so pleased to have you here on such short notice and so excited that you're coming to Boston the end of the week. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. Congratulations on on um, being the, the world champ, uh, first world champ for Ireland. I mean, that must have been tremendously exciting uh, for you to bring that home. What was it like bringing that home to your, your team um, at Straight Blast Gym in Ireland and Dublin and then just everybody else around that? You know, what was it like? Yeah, it was it was surreal. Like my coach uh, loves like first. So um, he he was saying all camp that, you know, you, you can emulate records, but you can't. You can only be the there can only be one first. So he said um, he was saying all camp that I'm going to be the first Irish Invicta World Champion. And uh, I just like I didn't want him to keep saying it because I was like, oh, God. Let me win it first, and then we'll talk about it. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it meant a huge pile for Straight Blast Gym and for my coaches and then for myself, um, you know, all camp. I was thinking, imagine, like, imagine if I won. And uh, then when it happened, it was just surreal. It was, like, one of the proudest moments of my life. So, yeah, I, I still um, get goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, your post-fight uh, interview was very cool and very emotional. Um, it, you know, it like it strikes a chord, and and I guess I'd like to touch a little bit on that and how you were feeling because you you were saying you know you were always trying to prove um, to yourself that you were good enough, and and I'm wondering what it is about you feeling maybe not good enough you're you're a top level athlete but what was it that that internal dialogue or what were you feeling um up until then and and what precipitated that kind of feeling all along the way yeah like i guess um i'm very confident person and i'm very fond of myself i uh, i definitely didn't get this far by thinking i was no good or anything like that um, you know, and and I'm always in my own corner. But when I said that, um, I suppose what I really meant was was that was I going to be good enough to be a world champion, to be the best, to live up to what I wanted for myself. Wow. So since I was since I was very small, um, little girl, I always like had big dreams and aspirations of what I could do. And uh-huh. you know, my mom would even say now that I was such a dreamer back then that. I wanted to be everything like one, you know, one day I want to be a fireman and next day I'd want to be something else. And um, I always thought there was going to be great things for me and that I could achieve those things. Mm-hmm. But I suppose at 33 years of age, when 
I had a number of things that didn't work out exactly like that, mm -hmm. that um, this was kind of one of my last chances, maybe, mm -hmm. um, or one, one of my last big opportunities to, to prove to myself that I wasn't just a regular person. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Regular, right, no. people, are, regular people are totally cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, since a small girl, I wanted... I wanted to do something special and uh, yeah, I was starting to think that it wasn't going to happen. And then, um, you know, I finally got to prove to myself that all of those years weren't wasted thinking about it and wow. um, motivating myself and working hard. Wow. that That's such a, I mean, I, I would think that's going to resonate with a lot of um uh, individuals, either fighters or athletes, but even beyond anybody that's an athlete and they're trying to figure themselves out, you know, it's like, what's life all about? What am I doing? And I am pursuing this because I love it, but I'm like, am I ever going to be like, you know, special in any way, shape or form? Am I going to reach the, the pinnacle of what that is? <laughs> and then once you do, now, you know, you got a target on your back, <laughs> yeah. you know, everybody's going to be headhunting you now because they want what you have. So how does that, I mean, like you have a, you know, a, a big fight coming up here in Boston. It's your first title defense. And Okay, with everything that you just said, now it's like this is another first for you, another part of being a champ and and measuring up. How do you how do you approach that? Yeah, like it I guess to make it happen for the first time was incredibly special. And it <laughs> but by actually doing it, it gave me like this new lease of life and, and confidence and um, I really don't care if there's 20 or 30 girls that want what I have. I, I don't think about them. Um, I always just think about myself like I am my biggest critic and I'm my biggest opponent. Um, if I can show up as confident and as prepared as I know I am, then the only thing that's going to stop me is me. Um, so, yeah, this fight isn't about defending I don't like the words defend. I'm not defending anything. I'm showing why I'm the champion. Ooh, so uh, yeah. this is this is about me being a world champion now and what that looks like. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not scared about who's outside the gate trying to bang it down. It doesn't bother me. Wow. that's I, I love that mentality that you couldn't have said it any better. That is awesome. So um, you had mentioned your coach and when you went back and now you're discussing you being, you know, the champion, how does he approach that? And how does, how is your chain, how is your training or has it stayed the same or has it changed? I've definitely gotten better. So like I hear what people say all the time, that when you become a world champion, you become like 30% better or whatever percentage they've decided to put on it. But I don't know what percentage I've got better, but I know I've gotten a lot better. And that's definitely mental and not physical because it's too short of a period of time to make huge physical gains. But um, mental gains, it, it has been, you know, it's done more for me than what I've done for myself in the last six years from all the fights I've had. 
So um, I suppose I train in the gym now with confidence. I'm a champion and I present myself that way. And uh, I don't I don't feel as self-conscious anymore if I make mistakes or mm -hmm. things don't go right. I don't feel as self-conscious because I don't feel like I have to keep proving myself because I proved myself in March. So um, it's okay to to slip up in training and uh, not think that that's going to be detrimental to what happens next, that that's just a part of the process. And then from my coach's point of view, um, my husband treats me the same. He's one of my coaches. He treats me the exact same, except he tells me like at least twice or three times a week that it's so cool that I'm the world champion and that, you know, he's so proud of that uh, for me. Yeah. And and then my other coach, John, he calls me a, a champ all the time now. And he kind of slags me about it a bit as I'm late for training. He'll say, oh, the, the world champ doesn't have to show up on time or whatever. So it's kind of a joke, um, <laughs> you know, which is good. You know, I like keeping it very hard like that. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, how did you get involved or when, how, how old were you? When When did you get involved in, in martial arts? Has it been a lifelong kind of thing or was it, you know, were you influenced in a certain way or how did it all start for you? So I rode horses for years um, from like for the age of four and I did that until I was 25. Um, and then I went like, you know, quite a long way with that. And I, I competed, um, you know, with all sorts of different equestrian sports and I ended up in horse racing. You know, I, I just kept, I suppose, growing and growing with that sport. And when I got to horse racing, that was when it kind of um, started to fall apart for me that I realised that as good as I was at like show jumping and cross country and all those different sports in, in, in horses and equestrian sports, when I got to horse racing, I was only really good at good enough to be um, a work rider to to ride the horses out at home. I rode in a couple of races, but I definitely wasn't the level of the lads mm -hmm. and the lads, the lads and the the women ride in races together. There's there's not many all women races. There is a couple, but um, it's not not really a thing. Mm -hmm. So for me to compete with the lads. I, it wasn't realistic, but for me to even compete with the women, there was girls that were a lot more connected than me and a lot better than I was. Mm -hmm. So um, at 25, I was really just came to a dead end with that. And I really was not happy and struggling with my mental health at the time. And I just made a decision one day, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to give it up. Oh, and wow. um, th that was, you know, how... I, I ended up stumbling upon MMA. So it took me like a year to get out of the horses because I was so engrossed in it. I had like a lot of horses off my own and equipment and stuff that needed to be sold. And it was the only job I'd ever worked. So, um, you know, I still had to continue working in the horses. But um, then I, I downloaded Tinder because of my mental health. I thought, well, I get a man and he'll sort out my problems for me. <laughs> If I can source myself a, a boyfriend, then things would look better. So I swiped a fighter on Tinder, and that fighter was training under John Kavanagh uh, at the time. And uh, he told me all about MMA. And he, uh, you know, oh, the, the date didn't go anywhere, but I was really obsessed with this, this MMA 
that he was telling me about. I did I never knew anything about it. Um, so I thought, right, so no horse, no money, no politics, no connections, no anything necessary, just me versus one other person in the cage. I was like, yeah, I think that's for me. So um, that was literally what happened. I joined the gym the following week and eventually uh, the horses were gone and MMA was on. Wow. That is an incredible story. I'm like blown away that you went from horse riding to MMA and knew nothing um, about mixed martial arts. And I find it really amusing because um, I, I did an interview with probably one of your teammates just recently, D, D uh, Begley. And yeah. basically, yeah, I knew nothing about it. I had, you know, like, and, and I'm like, how could you not know like this was going on in the world? She said, well, in Ireland, we don't, you know, we did, we just, you know, not seeing it on TV. You just didn't see it. So it, it's amazing to me. You guys started kind of late to start training. And then here you are, you know, on, you know, the, the most notable platform uh, in the world for female fighters and, and, uh, and you're, you're kicking ass. <laughs> Yeah, and like I don't even think I'm particularly special or you know, I don't think that it's it's that. I think there's so many girls out there and women out there that are have got like athletic attributes and high IQs and yeah. um, you know, this they've got so much talent, but they are probably in other sports or maybe they're not not even in sport. Maybe they're like, I don't know, doctors or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, th I think w women are so much more coachable and uh, can pick this up way quicker than guys. And unfortunately, MMA doesn't have the greatest rep over here in Ireland mm -hmm. and um, women are put off by it instantly. Uh, so there's, you know, it's not just, a Danny thing or a D thing that we were special. I think we were just the ones that happened to fall upon it and then pursued it. I think there's lots of girls here and probably around the world. If they just open their minds a little bit, they could they could be exceptional at it. Um, but but they just they just don't. Unfortunately, we need I suppose more Ronda Rouseys or I don't know what we need. But maybe girls will always not always always want to be cage fighters. I don't. I well, I mean, it is okay. So I, you know, since since you're talking about that and getting punched in the face or having somebody, you know, the cage door closes and this is what maybe keeps people like, oh wow, you know, like that's that's too scary. I don't want somebody coming at me like that. That's too, you know, whatever. And after your 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 last, you know, fight, that went five rounds, and it was, I mean your whole face was so swollen and for people like you know who who were back at home that must have seen that i don't know how your mom felt but she must have been like oh my god why is she doing this go back to horse racing you know <laughs> and and you didn't care you know like you didn't care you were like yeah yeah i'm like psyched and here you know whatever but what was it like because nobody really talks about your recovery afterwards and and i mean you battled in that fight and it's like, what did your body take on 
you know, the day, you know, what kind of discomfort, pain, your face, you know, what did you do to recover I, the rest of your body too? aches, pains, tear? I, I mean, I don't know what, what it could be, but can you, can you give us a little insight into that side of it after the fight? Like I've often thought about this because people ask this all the time after the fight, how does it feel? But I guess it, it must be similar to like when soldiers go to war and, they're maybe on the front line for like three weeks or whatever it is. Say, let's say they're on the front line for a whole fight camp. And after when they come home, they might have like lost limbs or got hurt or whatever. But they're so happy and relieved that they have gotten through it. And, you know, maybe they've won. And the thing that is, um, I suppose that the big thing is, is the mental. So, all during fight camp, you know, mentally you're trying to prepare for this like shocking thing that's going to happen to your body that you're going to fight somebody in front of an audience and you could fall flat in your face or it, it you could be triumphant and you don't know that. You don't know until it's over. So you don't feel pain after you feel elation. You're so happy. And yes, things are like a little bit sore here and there. But when you think I could, I could have it could have been so much worse or I maybe I could have lost then or got stopped in like the first minute of the fight then you don't feel those things um like you know you you take anti-inflammatories you take the arnica you take a few days off but really the reality is, is you can't take the smile off your face and you take 10 times the injuries to feel that high that you get now when you lose it's a different story uh, but the same thing, as painful as losing can be physically, it's way more painful mentally. And uh, yeah, you're probably happy to feel a bit of physical pain to try to get away from the mental pain of losing. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what it's like to lose a fight. And and what was it like, um, you know, during those times when when you lost, you know, and then had to come back and then, you know, you're preparing for, you know, <laughs> where you are now. <laughs> Yeah, my first pro loss was, uh, you know, really shocking. Like it happened in the Tree Arena in Dublin on a Bellator event. I uh, had all my fights for Bellator except one fight I had outside of my contract in Germany. Mm -hmm. So I, I had been thrown in really at the deep end from where I'd go and fought in front of like 10,000 people in the Tree Arena. And um, this was like becoming the norm. But even though it was the norm and I was fighting over and over again in the three arena, mentally, I had like huge imposter syndrome and it was exhausting just to have to constantly walk out to those people and perform. Yeah. So the, I got stopped in the first round in a, in a Bellator fight like that in front of those people. And uh, it was absolutely awful. And on the night, Conor McGregor was there and, he had been cheering me on during the fight. And I remember him saying to me as I was walking backstage, you'll get through this, Danny, you'll come back. And I was just so embarrassed. I couldn't even look at him or answer him. So it's it's awful. Um, it really is. And the first thing you think is, I'm not good enough. And yeah. that that's kind of where your head goes, that like, you know, you were dreaming. This isn't a reality. That's really as good as you are. And then... It's a long process to climb your way out of that hole. And uh, I'm so happy now for it. I'm happy now. I feel like 
I'd be better at losing now after experiencing that. But, uh, you know, we won't know until that happens again. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know. Right. And I mean, there's always there's always that you never know. Like, I mean, you could go in with the best possible training camp. I've seen guys do it and and they've had some like subtle injury that just kept them from, you know, like performing in the fight, like during, during the fight. And it had nothing to do with any sort of training. It was just like, um, I'm thinking years ago, somebody uh, had like an ACL partial tear maybe, or they, and they didn't realize it and they went in and they threw a kick or they went to step and then they're down. I mean, even Conor McGregor, like he, he had a couple of fights, one of the fights and he went and kicked and, uh, and you know, he's done. He had previous injuries, whatever. So you just don't know because of all the, all the, the whole journey getting into the, the cage. And then that's the pinnacle. And then it's all the, the down after, after you've reached that height and, and, and recovering either win or lose recovering and then getting ready back, back on that horse to do it again. It's so fascinating to me. I, I I like to unpack that whole, uh, you had said earlier um, about imposter syndrome and, and I've heard that, you know, expression used not, not just in say mixed martial arts or, but a lot of people um, use it, you know, pretending fake it till you make it kind of attitude and and I'm wondering when you became kind of aware of of that going on in your head and and presenting yourself and and how did you overcome that and what and what actually is imposter syndrome to you? Well, when I was an amateur, I don't think I had imposter syndrome because it was okay then to win and lose and um have experiences and fight good people and bad people and Whatever happened, happened. It wasn't that stressful. But when you turn pro, and especially for me to be thrown into a, a filled out stadium um, for my pro debut, where I didn't really get any time to find my feet and to fill myself with confidence through positive experiences of fighting, I didn't have any real evidence in my head that I was ready to be a pro you know, you think back to your amateur fights and they're just all so rushed and they're all so different. Um, you can't imagine that now you're going to go 15 minutes instead of nine and you've got to stay unbeaten to be, you know, to be regarded, uh, to move on to, to the big leagues. Yeah. So, you know, when I started as a pro, I, I know I knew I had imposter syndrome straight away, even through those camps. I was like, you know I, they all think I'm great that's the way I always see it that's what imposter syndrome is to me they think I'm great and they think I'm going to do x y and z but deep down I'm scared shitless and I don't know what's going to happen and I'm just going to go in and react on instinct and if it keeps going good that's great and uh, hopefully it doesn't go bad and at no point did I say you are so good you are this you are, you know, you are what people are saying you are. You've bet this girl, you bet that girl, you, you're doing great. I still thought they still think something that I don't think. They they don't really know that I'm just a regular person yeah. and that I'm not really this professional MMA fighter that's 
can fight at a world class level. So that went on a long time, really, until my sixth fight when I was five and oh going into that fight, and then I lost. And then when I lost straight away, I was like, see, I told you I was just an imposter. <laughs> I just really. <laughs> So did it, it kind of took a weight off your shoulders a bit by losing, right? Like deal with the deal with the humiliation. I'm not all that you think I am. And huh, almost like you could breathe again after that, maybe. Yeah, it, it took that to yeah, definitely take pressure off me because people backed off then. They took they they were like, Well, she's lost a fight now, so we're not gonna follow her so much. So I liked that. I liked that I could hide away a bit. Yeah. But or, also, um, it took me to lose that fight to realize I wasn't an imposter, which is weird, you know, that, no, I made a mistake and yeah. that's okay. And the best people can make mistakes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sometimes when things are going well, you can't see it for what it is until things are going bad. And then you say, well, back then I should never have thought like that because I was I was doing so good and I definitely didn't take it in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, to me, it, it sounds like, and I, I feel like I deal with this too, is self-doubt and um, doubting yourself, whether you're speaking, whether you're acting in a, in a sport physically, um, whether you're up talking in front of a crowd or whether you're in a relationship and you're describing something that, you know, you're kind of thinking about um, an idea of something and you're playing it off of somebody and then they might say something or do something. And then you're like, Oh, that, well, mm, uh, mm, mm, you know, like you're, you're self-doubting. And I don't know, I, you know, I've come to learn before it used to be, okay. You know, years ago, uh, women are coming up, guys never let us fight. They didn't want us fighting in the same cage or arena. They didn't think women should be doing it. So you're like, oh, am I good enough to be able to do that? There was always this kind of um, un underlying current of being female that you couldn't you couldn't do what you wanted to do, even though you wanted to do it, you know, mm -hmm. from men, women. And, and now I realize it's across the board. But back then, I just thought it was men against women. And you're like, huh. but now I just feel like it's across the board and women do this themselves is this whole self like doubt and questioning yourself when you know deep down this is what I want to do and this is what I want to be why am I second guessing myself and now that you're a champ and you've kind of gone through that maybe the humiliation of loss and maybe the the pressure of loss now you're um you know the champ. And instead of defending, I like how you said that before, I'm not defending my title. I'm just showing everybody I'm the champ and, you know, they gotta, they gotta step up if they want to be the champ. And, and um, how do you see that playing out, uh, you know, this week as you lead into, you know, your next fight, um, you're stepping in the cage and, and approaching that, does that, do you still deal with that self-doubt or, or no? Like any fight camp, any fight week, every day that gets closer to having a fight, you know, your brain does so many gymnastics, you know, every hour you think about it, you can't help yourself. And the closer it gets, the worse it gets. You think about it like three times an hour. Mm -hmm. So 
matter what, like matter how many fights you've had. So I had nine amateur fights. I've had nine professional fights. I've had 18 fights. You'd think that this would just be a breeze, but it's not. It's the same camp. It's the same fight week, but I'm just, I suppose, better at listening to the thoughts and recognizing that this is just something that happens and not to give it a lot of headspace. Um, if I could stand up right now, put my gloves on and fight right this very minute, I would, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, having, it's having patience. Like I'm not scared of the fight, not one bit, not one bit. And what I really, really care about is the fight. I really care that I perform and that I can reach my full potential and I can do everything that I plan to do or that I want to do in the fight and if things get hard and things get tough that I meet adversity head on and and that I I push through and never give up and these are the reasons why I'm doing this sport so if I could get rid of now Sunday afternoon in Ireland to Friday evening in Boston I would I'd just fast forward this as quickly as possible but um the reality of anything that's really important to you that's coming up is that uh, you have to go through this patient time where uh you feel nervous you feel anxious and that's because it means so much to you so yeah that that's how i'm feeling for the fight but in terms of am i good enough yes am i well enough prepared yes do I believe I have the skills to continue to be the champ? Absolutely. Uh, I have all of those things. Uh, I just have to, uh, unfortunately, wait another week or another six days, days or yeah. five days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. So your your opponent is 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 Carolina Wojcik, and um, has anybody said this to you? You guys look like you could be like twin sisters. You know, if you've seen us in person, you wouldn't think it. I think it's just the fight photos. They, they Yeah, it, Invicta took both those pictures. So, like, they got us to stand the same way and they had the same light and the same background. So I think it was just the way the light hits our face. But we've known each other for years. And if you stood beside the two of us together, you'd see we don't actually look, look anything like at all. Right. She, look, she looks very Polish and I look very Irish. Sure. Um, but yeah, the the picture. Everyone said that about the picture. But um, yeah, we fought six years ago in the UK as as amateurs, mm-hmm. and uh, she bet me then. And uh, this is the rematch. So that that's a really exciting part of this fight. Oh, it'll be so different, right? Wow, are you excited that it's it's a it's a rematch and maybe uh, like you're you're going in and you're like, yeah, well, this is different now. I'm the champ, honey. <laughs> And going in and 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 um you know getting vindicated <laughs> yet again. Yeah, it, it, it definitely like is an added bonus, you know, that I get to like redeem myself. That yeah. it, I thought I won that night, which looking back, I don't think I did, but I really felt like I was trying to win the fight and she was trying to stay away from me. So um yeah I, it's going to be a lot different now I grapple now I didn't grapple at all back then mm-hmm. um and you know I would say one thing though is the best I've ever seen her fight was the night she fought me because she had to fight me because I don't let people away with not fighting and uh I don't think in the last few fights she's had 
she's actually bit down and out guard and fought. She's kind of avoided the fight. So I think one thing that will happen is that she'll have to fight me again and, and that'll bring out the best in her. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a weird thing about a rematch. When you haven't touched someone or put your hands on them ever before, you have like a gremlin in your head that thinks they're going to be superhuman. Mm-hmm. But then when you when you grab them first in the fight, you're like, oh, you're just a normal girl like everyone else. Right. But uh, when you grab them before, it's not as nerve wracking. You know, I fought one other girl that I trained with before mm-hmm. and I knew when I grabbed her back then that she wasn't stronger than me. And I, and Carolina, the exact same. So it actually makes me a little bit less nervous knowing that she isn't superhuman that I've fought her in a really close fight years and years ago. So, um, but again, I don't want to get, don't want to get cocky or overconfident. Sure. I still have to, I still have to mind my P's and Q's and get this job done. Right. There's a level of intimacy when you're in the cage. You really, you, you, you feel your opponent, you, so you already kind of, you two have already been in bed together and, and, and you kind of know all those little nuances because you've already fought her as opposed to the other one. It's like, no, that you weren't in the, in the cage with it's like it's like dating it's like oh i don't know where she's gonna go and then you get oh well hmm you know I don't, yeah you know so it's interesting that you started all this with tinder that's all i'm i, I had to circle <laughs> back to that <laughs> and the, whole, the whole ploy of intimacy getting in the cage with somebody else there's there's so much that goes on in there that you find out body wise and and vulnerabilities and and stuff by striking or wrestling or you know stand up to the ground you you get all the um you sense somebody you can see it in their eyes whether or not they're like afraid or they have a moment of like you know snap out of it or there's just so much going on in there it's just amazing so it's interesting to hear your perspective about like, you know, getting back into the cage with this rematch with her. I I, I, I wouldn't have thought of it, but you had stated it really very well about how that is. So yeah. tell me, um, who would you say played a meaningful role in your life's journey that influenced you in a positive way, either in, you know, martial arts, you know, to get you to this point. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be martial arts. It could be, you know, any if anybody else outside of that but who would you say has influenced you it definitely my mom um 100 you know i've got amazing men in my life now actually which is weird i've got ma- ma- mainly male influences in my life at the moment but mom was with me all those years ago when i wanted to be everything and anything and all of it together and uh I I definitely was born a bit like that, but then she really developed that sense of you can do anything in me. You know, she used to tell me and my brother, you can do or be anything you want to be in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to add on there, but you must work hard. But she never she never <laughs> actually used to tell us that. <laughs> but that is definitely a part of it. So um she, you know, she we used to come home from school and she'd sit us down and ask us how our day was and what was wonderful about it and build us up and anything we said or suggested that, you know, we wanted to do or, or whatever. She, she told us 
absolutely you can do it like she brought me ballet dancing and even though I was the worst ballet dancer that has ever stepped foot on <laughs> in the hall <laughs> she used to clap and tell me that I was wonderful and I was the best one there and yeah. uh, I, be I believed her yeah yeah <laughs> so awesome. she she constantly built us up me and my brother like that and um that's I suppose now she says that that was her goal in life was us that we'd be happy and uh, successful and and that um that, that that's what both of us are so she said she's done now she's no more life goals she just wanted to get us to this this part in our life essentially so yeah it's definitely mom and even now I talk to mom on the phone every day twice a day and uh, even though she's not like you know, an MMA enthusiast, and and she's happy to support me at anything I want to do in my life, no matter what it is. She's she's in my corner. That's awesome. Do you have a um? Can you share a personal habit or a daily routine that contributes to your success? <clears throat> yeah. Um. So first of all, in terms of this sport, um, like I was much heavier when I was younger than I am now so in terms of this sport a habit that I have that most people don't do is I do loads of steps so I walk 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 on the treadmill with the dogs I do so much walking and that's so I can be at a competitive weight for my height I think I'd be in heavier weight divisions only that I'm so disciplined to do in my steps because I like to eat a lot <laughs> so that, that's a real like specific one to MMA Mm -hmm. But um, the I suppose apart from like being disciplined and having a good routine, which a lot of fighters have, I'm extremely open minded to my coaches and I'm open minded when I watch fights and I like to take things from everything that I can I can learn from. And even now as a world champion, I'll go in and I'll ask the most basic, uh, straightforward questions to my coaches um, you know, and I'm not scared to do that. I'll keep trying to fix things. I'll keep trying to learn. And I don't think I'm I, I don't think I'm an expert at absolutely anything. I always say I'm like a beginner with all of it because I was riding horses for most of my life. So I'm I'm probably not a beginner with most of it now at all, but that's the way I like to approach the sport is um you know, keep acting like a beginner uh, in terms of how open-minded you are to asking questions and to, to figuring it out day in, day out, not just like once a week, once a month. I mean, every single day ask, you know, I'm in this position and this thing keeps happening to me, help me, uh, tell me what to do. And literally I'll say, tell me what to do and I'll just do it. I won't question it. So, um, yeah, that's why I think I could take up the sport so quickly and, and go as quickly to it as I can, but through my steps and yeah. through my uh, beginner attitude. Wow. You had stated earlier that you felt women were more trainable in in mixed martial arts. Why did you feel like that? What What had made you kind of think that, you know, going into a sport that you knew nothing about and you were observing you know, say the, the atmosphere in the gym, what made you kind of develop that kind of uh, perspective? I got, I got that perspective from, first of all, my training partners in the gym. And then secondly, or from being around adult female women in the gym, 
Mm-hmm. And then secondly, from coaching uh, juniors. So um, for first, from being with uh, women mm-hmm. training, I just noticed that the IQ levels and the awareness and the common sense, it just seems to be a lot bigger than with a lot of the lads. Now, a lot of the lads are younger, you know, most of my training partners are, are older. So uh, they just seem more mature and more switched on. But the lads, a lot of the time, are more focused on their egos, their looks, um, what people perceive them. Are people, you know, checking them out or watching what they're doing, you know, kind of showing off. Yes. Whereas gir- girls are just more insecure. So we're more focused on let's get the work done. Let's get a result and then people will be impressed by me. Whereas the lads, like, I think they get a bit carried away in, in the training room. And then in terms of uh, teaching, uh, there's a, a like a massive difference between teaching girls and boys. And if any of my parents are listening to this, which I'm sure they will, um, even from a small age, you can see the difference in the intelligence levels of girls compared to boys. And it takes a long time for the boys to catch up with the girls. We've trained girls to be world champions in 10 months in our gym, junior world champions in MMA. Um, But boys would take far, far longer. So, um, yeah, there is a huge, huge difference uh, with that. Um, So I don't know what the science is behind that. Why? Maybe it's because MMA is a more IQ-based sport rather than physical attributes all the time. Wow, the who would have thought that 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 would be said? You know, I, I'm just thinking years ago, MMA is like blood sport, cockfighting. They had no idea what this actually is. I mean, <laughs> so you saying that is just so <laughs> cool. So cool to hear this. Yeah, and it's the truth. Like I'm, I know I'm biased because I'm a woman, but my husband says it all the time. Like he say, "Oh my God, we got this new girl uh, in this class," and I don't teach the beginners. And then he'll talk about her, talk about her, talk about her, and next thing I know, in two months' time, I'm teaching her in a competition class, and I'm like, "Oh my God, you started two months ago," and this girl is like phenomenal. And so it, it, my husband notices it too as a male. He says, God, we can turn a girl around in a second, but the boys take a lot more work. I'm, I'm like, I'm flabbergasted. I, I don't think I've ever had anybody say that or, or you know, express it as well as you just did. And and uh, I'm just going to have to keep an eye out for that. I'm, I'm, that's intriguing. That's, that's really quite a statement. But, you're probably, probably going to get some pushback on that one. <laughs> But, but you know what? Do you know what? There is definitely a there's a limitation to what I'm saying. The limitation is we treat girls the exact same as boys. If you know, if not, we probably treat them a little bit more superior in our gym. And you know, I'm a world champion. There's paintings of me on the door as you walk in. It's not a male dominated gym. It's dominated by a female, and. Uh, with the girls don't get to sit in the corner whinging, crying, I broke my nail, I have yes. to fix my hair, I don't want to go with this boy. Yes. They just don't get that in our gym. And the boys absolutely don't get to say that about the girls either. They can't say, I won't go with this girl. So we treat them like complete equals and we push them together side by side, both genders. 
and then that's how you transform these these kids but i've seen other gyms where girls are soft and treated soft and they're not pushed and left away with murder compared to the boys and they don't get the same results as us interesting that's that's great i'm glad you went full circle with that that's awesome um, can you share us something that maybe nobody knows about you? Although I feel like you did already, but anything <laughs> that maybe there might be like a little kind of something. <laughs> uh, oh God. Well, I, I'll try and keep it like more lighthearted. So uh, I love to bake and I love the Great British Bake Off. And I imagine when I retire, I will become a baker, although my husband tells me you're mad because you'd be so fast because <laughs> uh, I have no self-discipline when it comes to cake. So, um, yeah, I think that my quarter life crisis led me to MMA and my half life crisis will lead me to the kitchen and to baking. And I am determined I will get on the Great British Bake Off. I am. I'm going to do oh, it. Awesome. So that that I, that I'm would be win. your that that's your your after MMA that's your next plan. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see you there. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that, that sounds amazing. So um, let's see. A couple a couple more questions. Who who is your favorite female MMA fighter and why? Oh God. So. Mm, let me think okay so the truth is my favorite female MMA fighter can't be my favorite female MMA fighter because she's going to be my direct competition so I think Whaley Yang or Yang Whaley I'm not sure what way you're even supposed to say that because everyone says it different is you know she's astonishing uh, she's like my girl crush in terms of her athleticism her explosiveness um and I know she's done some like mental training the same as I have so she's had some self-doubt and things too so I really relate to her but I want to fight her and I want to beat her one day so she can't be my favorite uh for long but uh, so I'll say I'll say my favorite then is a girl out in Thailand called Stamp Fairtex yes um, yeah, I trained with her a few years ago, oh. and uh, since then I've been a massive fan. And I don't see her as competition because she'd be an atom weight if she fought in the US because they do hydration tests over yes. there. So wow. she's awesome. She her she comes from like you should try and get her on, but she she might need a translator. She's got good enough English if you were took your time with her. But right. her, her her dad was a farmer and uh, they had no money. And he, uh, you know, brought her in fighting when everyone. That's was how saying, it goes over there. That's uh, the, the kids earn the money for the family over there through through kickboxing. It's crazy. I mean, like I, I yeah. spent some time in Thailand, so I know. But like, wow. It, yeah, she's yeah. incredible. And she's turned a lot of that money around for him yeah. and for the family, you know, and she was he was one of the guys that put a girl in the ring and, and everyone else said, you can't let your daughter fight kind of thing. And he broke boundaries, giving her that opportunity. And she, her, her goal in life very much is to provide for her family. And I think that's extremely admirable, you know, yeah. more than else, she wants to provide for them and she's doing that. So yeah, she's my fave. 
Yeah, she, that that's 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 awesome. I'm glad you brought her up because I I actually was recently talking about her last night. She's she's truly amazing. So how about what fighter do you? <laughs> this is a fun one. What what fighter do you love to hate and why? Oh, what fighter do I love to hate? Could oh be God, could be male. <laughs> it probably will be male. Uh, Oh, I find this hard. Like, probably Kobe Covington, but, like, I don't really hate him. I just, I find him irritating. But, you know, I I, I appreciate what he's doing at the same time that he's trying to make some money. Uh, do you know what I really hate? But this isn't hate. I hate, this isn't hate, and I hate them as a person. I hate people who have so much more to give. And they just won't bloody well go for it, especially women. I hate watching female fighters and I know they're capable of so much more and they just fall asunder in the fight. Like, do you remember when Misha Tate lost her belt after winning it? The next fight after she won. Like, she just like happened. <laughs> yeah, she just didn't show up. And yeah. so that's what I hate. I don't really hate anyone. I just hate bad performances. I hate when people don't do themselves justice. I take a personal, I'm like, God, I hope I never do that or that never happens to me. Yeah. I hope I always try my best, Mara Washington. Yeah. I know they're obviously going through stuff that that's after happening, but it, that I find that's the hardest thing to watch. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to agree with that. When you know somebody underperformed and you can tell, especially, I think you can tell more so when you've you've trained in the same sport and then you see those like, oh, she didn't do her, like, it's almost like their due diligence you know, prior to, you know, during camp or whatever, or preparation for their opponent or whatever. And you're like, what happened there? You know, like, in, or they're underperforming compared to another fight where they were just, you know, like, wow. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. what's wrong with them? They're, they're not right. They're not on, they're not on their, you know, they're not performing their best, best possible fight. And, but but I, I gotta think things ebb and flow depending on what the experience is outside of the cage and outside of training and that can influence whatever's going on there too. Sometimes we don't know what's going on with a fighter, but it is a really good strong point and I like it. Um, last last but not least is um, what's your go-to pump up song when you're like getting ready to go in the cage? Uh, yeah, this was another thing I was going to say when you said something that people don't know about you. So I like uh, really cheesy, poppy music. I'm not into hardcore rap or hardcore fight songs at all. So um, there's a band in the UK. Well, they're like retired now, but they were called The Saturdays. And uh, they have this song called Up. And uh, it's really uh, girly and poppy and it's got a good beat to it. And I replay that song so much that my Spotify says it's my most played song ever. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if the Saturdays even know now, now that they're like have their own kids and have moved on with their life that I'm still playing their song. <laughs> Well, that's, that's great. So they'll, they'll, they'll like the shout out if they hear this podcast. They'll be like, yeah. but he's still listening. That's awesome. So yeah. you're coming to Boston. You're coming to Boston. And I don't, have you ever been to Boston? No. All right. So you're Irish. We got an Irish community here. And I, 
I had been to uh, the first time the UFC was here and um, Conor McGregor fought on that card and people kind of knew about him, didn't know about him. It was a big fight for his career. It was one that just kind of took him and launched him and he won. And the place was insane with Irish people singing. I think you're like <laughs> your national song or something like going nuts. <laughs> And so I have no idea how this is going to be. I'm sure there's going to be quite the Irish following that is going to be in Boston rooting for you guys. Um, and then, and then we also have our, our, our town, like there's a few, a couple fighters that are on the card that are from new England, but um, I, I just, I can't even wait to see it. It should be pretty good and pretty, pretty um, uh, feel good for you guys coming over from, you know, across the pond there, so to speak, and coming into, say, Boston. So really, yeah, I hope, I hope people go like, it's, it's scary for me, like, to think, you know, I don't know who knows about me and who lives in Boston, even though there's lots of Irish people there, how many Boston people are into women fighters, either so like it is it's actually scary for me thinking I hope I don't walk out and the arena is not half empty and that like you know I fell flat on my face because Invicta have really pushed the boundaries to get this fight to happen and it took so long to get it over the line that's why um you know no one found out about it till kind of the last minute so yeah. they've really put the boat out here in terms of budget and stuff to make this happen so I'm definitely more apprehensive, I think, about that than I even am the fight. That, like, I hope I am as big enough of a draw that this place will be full and that they uh, that everyone gets behind me. Um, because Colorado was full, um, and only like a handful of Irish people there being mainly my my supporters from home, and uh, the place loved me and were like super supportive. So. Uh, fingers crossed I get the same reception in Boston that I'm able to fill the stadium or fill the uh the it's not a stadium the music theater I think is what yeah it's called. yeah it looks like it's it's filling up pretty quick I looked at where the seats are and stuff there's um there's not much left so um <laughs> it looks like it's gonna be a pretty good show and um I I'm I'm excited buy it and and i can't even wait to see you guys perform it's uh really great to have this happen in boston so um remind fans where they can find you on social media and any shout outs uh to your sponsors the floor is yours girl yeah daddy thank you so it's danny mccormick and it's danny with an i uh on instagram and that's kind of the main space you'd find me and i i'm a bit i'm on twitter a bit now but uh, not as much as as Instagram. So Danny McCormick on Instagram, and then I've got um, a rake of sponsors that are like amazing. And um, I suppose the biggest sponsors after jumping on board with me recently is the Forge Irish Stout, which is Conor McGregor's brand. So huge, huge thanks to them, and also to Cape Cod in the Boston Peninsula have come on board as well. And then all my other sponsors are with me every camp. Um, and they know who they are and they they always get shout outs. So the two for this camp in particular is Cape Cod and the Forge Irish Stout. Uh, so massive thank you to them um, for, for supporting me. 
Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Dan. It was really, um, really great getting to know you better. And um, I, I can't wait to see you, like I said, in, in Boston and see you perform and have a great night, a great victory. And um, I'll look forward to seeing you in a few days. Thank you so much for having me on. You're brilliant. Um, you got this done really quickly after only a few days notice. So I appreciate you putting the spotlight on me and on Victa and on the fight night in Boston. So thank you. I'm so happy that I've been able to do that and and get to know all, like all the fighters that I've interviewed. And I can't wait to bang these and pump. I'm going to be like right on pumping these suckers out. But thank you so much for, for coming on on short notice. I really, really do appreciate it. And good luck. Thank you. Hey, so wow, right? Did you expect that? Equestrian rider to MMA. I would have never seen that one. But how awesome. What a great interview with Danny McCormick. We wish her the best next week in, here in Boston when she comes to uh, defend her title uh, against Carolina Wojcik. And uh, we're really looking forward to this exciting event here coming on October 27th at the House of Blues here in Boston. Thank you so much. So if you enjoyed this episode, leave a review because it helps people find the show. And on the review, mention Danny McCormick and how she might have inspired or motivated you. And if you liked what you heard today and are eager to hear more, never miss an episode from Evolve WMMA by remembering to subscribe or download on iTunes, or you can find us on Podomatic and Spotify at Evolve Women's MMA. Or if you prefer to watch, you can find a new episode on YouTube at Evolve Women's MMA. And go ahead and check out our website at www.evolvewmma.com. And lastly, if nothing else, you can simply follow us at Facebook dot com backslash I love WMMA. This is Shelly Devine. Until next time, thanks for listening.